Welcome to the Big Beatles Sort Out. In the first series, I, author and musician Gary Abbott, ranked all the Beatles' core catalogue releases with the help of my Beatles expert brother Paul. In series two, we worked our way through an assortment of added Beatles goodies, such as Live at the BBC, the anthology series and the movies. And now, for series three, we're looking at all the post-Beatles singles released in the decade following their breakup. As with series one, we will take five songs in random order each week and score them for music, production and lyrics to find the best post-Beatles Beatles hits. Thanks for joining us as we try and sort out the Beatles. Six songs in this episode. Oh, you beat me to it. Yes. Ah. Yes, welcome to Series 3, Episode 28, where we will be doing six songs because of maths. It was either six songs in this episode or a weird one-song episode next week. So (laughs) we've gone for the six songs in one episode because it's the last six songs, Paul. It is. We've, We've run the course of this journey and it's... I can't believe it's ended up being 28 weeks. I mean, well, there's what, three or four bonus episodes over yeah. there as well. But, it's, but yeah, it's essentially it's, over half yeah. a year. It's the same similar size to the core catalogue, isn't it, basically, by the time I think we finished? Mm. Have we, we, uh, somewhere around, around the 200 uh, songs mark, I think. It's a lot plenty. of songs. It's plenty. It's a lot of songs. I can't be around the 100. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot anyway. Why um, did you just do that as a bad Mario? Because I watched Mario at the weekend. And it's okay because in the film, you find out he does it as a joke. So it's it's fine for you to do that voice still. I saw Mario last week. Me and Lorraine went to see Mario. Yeah. And we went to the cinema. Um, we wanted to see it in a particular cinema, not not the Odeon. Mm. And we went there and we got tickets for the last showing of it in that cinema. And we were shown into the weird little... Um, they have a little mini cinema with like yeah. settees in it. Okay. One of these things called The Box. Right. And it's like, oh, that's a bit weird that if you want to see this. And as we walked in, the guy said, oh, this is a bit like a private screening because you're the only people who've got tickets. So we sat and watched the Super Mario Brothers film in this thing on our own, in on, on a settee. It was oh. just like having a big telly. It was nice. great. That, okay, that's strange. I thought it only just come out. No, it was several weeks ago now. Well, it's it? still, it'll still be in the yeah. cinema, but... Oh, I thought it was about week two of it coming out. But, oh, very good. Good stuff. Well, there anyway, we're Mario not, here diversion. Talk, not here to talk about Mario, especially when we've got six songs to get through, so we best be a bit snappy, otherwise this will be a super... I mean, it's going to be a longer episode, but... It'll be a Super Mario episode. So, yeah, um, I mean, I've we've jumped straight in. I normally welcome you with a strange middle name, but I don't need to. So, no, um, I'm I think here. I was going to call it, say, Welcome to Paul, the 70s Beatles solo singles nearly ranked Abbott. But oh, very good. We've gone past that. So let's do our usual um, gubbins. Don't forget you can keep in touch with us at big underscore sort on Twitter and Instagram or by email to bigbeetlesortout at gmail.com. And do please drop us a review on whatever platform you're listening on if you can and like and share our posts. Um, please check the episode description for links to our various music and other projects for the, not the last, I, I, I imagine we'll do a wrap-up episode, I imagine, Paul? I think so, yes. I think, yeah. we, should we perhaps have a week off and then we'll come back yeah. rested, ready to analyse the, uh, the results. situation yeah. we found ourselves in? Something and like that. And I know some, some, someone was asking if we would be doing uh, a some Q&A. more quest Q&As, and we can probably do that in there as well. Why don't we? we say then, Paul, why don't we say that after this we'll do a, um, a week off um, where we will gather all the fans' questions... <laughs> Um, I meant to say questions from all the listeners, but I said all the fans. We'll gather all the questions in. If anyone's got any, please just send them to us on Twitter or our email. We will do a bit of a Q&A recording episode with a bit of an analysis of what came out of this. And that will yeah. be it for this series. And then anything that follows will be specials as and when. Because as we've said before, we're going to take a bit of a bigger break this time because we have been 
going pretty consistently now for a few years. So we've well past the hundred episode, actually, Paul. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so um, we'll, so we'll, we'll, fear not, there will be specials, but they won't be um, one big run or anything for a little while. So, yeah, let's um, let's do the last Beatles day as far as these kind of episodes are concerned, which should be the 8th of May, Paul. Indeed, and I've chosen the 8th of May, 1970. Right. Which seemed appropriate because that is the UK release of the Let It Be album. Right, Okay. So that's essentially the last Beatles album to be released. Mm-hmm. The film comes out on the 20th of May, 1970. This, I'm talking about the UK here, different, slightly yeah. different in America. Um, the final UK Beatles thing in that initial original format is The Long and Winding Road, which comes out as a single on the 11th of May. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Let It Be comes out as an album on the 8th of May, 1970. And of course, when it first comes out, it comes out as a sort of box set thing. Right. So it came with a book, which of which it's quite hard to find a good quality copy because of the way it was bound. It sort of they right. all sort of fell apart. Ah, uh, okay. And of course now you can buy the special edition of of Get Back and um, Get Back, Let It Be, the album, yeah. and and the and the book from Get Back and all that sort of stuff, which kind of does the equivalent now. But yeah, it was originally in a box set format, so it's quite expensive, relatively speaking, until it was re- issued later as a normal type of LP. But just before we move on, I'm just keeping this quite quick because I know we've got stuff to get through. Yes. You think of like Let It Be as being end of Beatles, start of solo Beatles. But of course, as we've seen and as people yeah. know, there was a bunch of stuff before the Beatles finished. Mm-hmm. So if you discount Love in the Open Air and the Family Way soundtrack, because although Paul wrote, air quotes, that that's yeah. George Martin orchestra stuff. Yeah. You have... The Wonderwall music soundtrack by George Harrison mm-hmm. in November 1968. Yeah. You have Two Virgins, Unfinished Music, Volume 1, and Life with the Lions, Unfinished Music, Volume 2, in November and May of... November 68 and May 1969 from John and Yoko. Mm-hmm. You've got George's Electronic Sound album on in May of 1969. You've got Give Peace a Chance, single, May 1969. Yeah. Cold Turkey, October 1969, single. You've got the live piece in Toronto album by the Plastic Ono Band in December 69. Instant Karma, February 1970. Mm. Ringo's Sentimental Journey album in March of 1970. And then the thing that everyone thinks of as the uh, the hammer blow that split things apart, McCartney album Yeah. on the 17th of April 1970. So they're all pre mm. 8th of May 1970. As if you couldn't see the way things were going at yeah, this point. Yeah, they pretty much already were doing lots of solo work. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, it's just it's just given we've been doing this series about solo Beatles and that sense of separation between church yeah. and state, Beatles and <laughs> Beatles and solo Beatles. Um yeah, there is a there is this weird sort of smeared overlap yeah. of of 1968 through 1970 before you know everyone feels more free to just be yeah. real about it whilst all the falling out and court cases are starting. Mm. And I think we said, I think you've, you've said at some point um, that when we, in one of our specials after this series, we'll probably look at some of these bookends to the decade, which didn't fall into this for one reason. Like there's some of that stuff we haven't covered, some of that that you've just talked about and some of it, some of John's stuff that that's kind of um, came a bit later, although we've bundled some of it in. There's some other bits, isn't there as well? And there's some, yeah, there's, there's some, there's well, some there's, stragglers that we need to 
mop up without. I think there's some things we can bring into specials, but yeah, there will be an episode where yeah. we do the 1970s anomalies as well. Yeah, so. I think we should do something like that. Yeah, um, but that'll probably be one of the first things we do. So yeah, so there just you go because that, that sort of ties into the format of it. In case anybody's panicking about, yeah. I don't know something. I don't know because if I knew what it was, then uh, yeah, something that we haven't covered, which you know that we we should have done. So that's that then. Is that that? that is that that? That is that that, that, is that, 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 then, is that then. That. Then that. That. That then. Okay. So let's do our first song then, Paul, which is Country Dreamer, Wings. I'd like to walk in a field with you Take my hat and my boots off too I'd like to lie in a field with you would you like to do it to me? Would you like to do it to I'd like to stand in a stream Country dreamer, Paul. Well, it's Paul McCartney thinking about being in the countryside again. Mm. He does that a bit, theme, doesn't he? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right, Country Dreamer. This is the B-side to the Helen Wheels single right um okay. although this isn't a track from band on the run this is um i mean technically this is a non-album b-side because okay. it was it was recorded for red rose speedway when that when paul was devising that essentially as this big double album but it ends up getting released as a single album so he's got some tracks hanging around country dream is one of them yeah helen wheels only got to number 12 in the charts stayed in the charts for 12 weeks of course it's on apple at this point 26th of October 1973. The recording for Country Dreamer takes place on the 26th of September 1972 at Abbey Road. And then there's some overdubs in November and December at Air Studios, George Martin's place. Mm-hmm. Written by Paul and Linda, produced by Paul. And then we have the lineup of Wings, which is Paul and Linda, Denny Lane, Henry McCullough, and Denny Sywell playing yeah. respectively. Uh, Paul on vocals, acoustic guitar, piano probably percussion, Linda on some vocals, Denny on vocals on bass, mm-hmm. Henry McCullough on pedal steel, yeah. which I don't think was an instrument he particularly played, although yeah. he does a sort of all right job, I think, in this. And Denny Sywell on sort of brush brushes and percussion. And it, yeah, it's Paul dealing with thinking about being in the countryside again, but in a more country music style this time instead of a folky style. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it, isn't it? Right, next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, so our first of Paul's last, I'll, shall I hint at how many, because of the, the six in this episode, and because we, there's there's a few McCartney ones making it up, and yeah, this yeah. is the first of his last um, clutch of songs that we'll be looking at, and we kind of pick up just where we left off last week, don't we? Like you say, we've gone from Heart of the Country, which is one of the ones from last week, whether it was the mm-hmm. last one we looked, looked at, to Country Dreamer. Um, I, was, I wonder if you... We should compile all of his countryside-based songs, be- both Beatles and post-Beatles, into one collection. Play- there must be a playlist worth of... Oh, definitely. I live I on a farm, so. or I want the, to live on a farm, or... Over the years, I would have yeah. thought so. So, you know... I'm sure I mean, there make- was even stuff on McCartney 3, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I, I suppose definitely. It must be, you know, it's his muse, part of his muse. It's not It's not his only muse, otherwise that would be very tiring if every song was about, <laughs> about yeah. sheep. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 yeah. This doesn't tickle my fancy quite as much as Heart of the Country did, 
which I really like. That's one that even even though I think it scored okay last week, it's the one that stuck with me more than any of the other ones last week. Um, but I still like it. Um, I get the feeling of this one that he possibly knocked it up quite quickly. Mm. Um, and despite this being the first time I'd ever heard it, as, as far as I can remember, when we got to the change to the B section, I was kind of fully em- expecting something there because it's it, like because of the Macca formula that normally I, I don't think you really. It's a great formula. It's Paul McCartney, but normally if I know it's something's coming up with a McCartney song, it, it, it's I don't know. Um, you're hearing the process a bit more than you normally would because I'd normally be distracted by how good it was or how different it was. But I was a bit like, there's going to be a minor key change bit here. There it is, you know. Yeah. Um, so it felt a little B-side destined as a song. Like, you mm. know, a bit a bit throwaway, a bit fun. A little country song about, you know, well, it's another little country song for a little song about the country, isn't it? It's um, Yes. It, it, it Yeah, that's what it is. We have bendy guitars. We have a washboard type of shuffle feel it's not an actual wasp but it's got that brush brush percussion or percussion yeah, yeah. um bruschetta bruschetta he was playing his drums with a bruschetta <laughs> um and um that kind of bomb bomb bottle style bass line kind of yeah it's that sort of slightly farty bass sound that he has yeah. sometimes isn't it and and some of them the, yeah and the, the the b section has a minor chord shift as you'd expect and there's some harmonies over it that give it a very country sensibility um it's definitely country, but it has a little bit of Macca's chord shifts in there that give it away as being his and not just a a right by you know a right by numbers type of country template. But it is that, yeah, it's that in it. Yeah, yeah. There's not much else. It's seventy eight point five for music for that. I've given it. My only real music comment is it's. I think he's just picked an interesting key to write it in. Um, oh yeah. Because he has to sing the first verse really low. Yes. Yeah. So then you can sing the second verse up high and you get into sort of classic McCartney voice. Yeah. And then in the third verse, he does it in octaves. So you get both. But to me, the, the one the problem with it is it feels like it's slowed down. It feels too slow and in too low a key to start with. Right. Like like someone should have just turned like turned the speed up on it a little tiny bit. Yeah. Just to give it a tiny bit, just a tiny bit more clip. Because I like the melody and it, and it is quite a sort of addictive melody once you've heard it. Mm-hmm. You know, for a sort of sing-along yeah. verse type thing. But, you know, just perhaps it could have gone a bit faster for the likes of me. It won't be the only song where we say about that about, about mm. that about it today. Quite. <laughs> oh, my words are all coming out wrong. Um, yes, production then. I actually made a note on the production about the voice in the higher register because I think if, because of the shift of register from the lower one, I don't know, it makes it sound, when it goes up high, a bit shrill in comparison to how it was. Well, it's because it's not a rock song, is it? So it's yeah. not like he... You have to do this thing with your voice when you're a singer, where you have to choose the best... Yeah. Range, just the best yeah. key for the range you want to get, the effect you want to get. And some singers are very good in they can control really quickly, like the control between a sort of chest voice and a falsetto and all that sort of stuff. And they've got a yeah. wide range, and they, or they can power it through, or they can... And here, he, he go, he's picked a key where he... His low voice sounds a bit weird, like he's not getting enough breath. Yeah. And his high voice sounds like he's having to pull it back because otherwise it'd be rock singing. It's, yeah. I don't know, it's a weird one. Uh, yeah, that's why I think... I and think, that's a sort of di- a arrangement decision. It's an arrangement decision production. and then when it, yeah, it comes into production because when he does go up there, it becomes a bit trebly and tinny and a bit loud compared to the rest of it. So it's, it's a bit like... Ugh. Um 
But other than that, it achieves the desired effect of being a quirky little country song with a nice backdrop of acoustic guitar and blended voices and whatnot. I, I've just marked it down a little bit for the decision to have the, the octave jumps, which you didn't really need to do. You could have, some, in production, in the in the act of producing the song, gone, let's change the key on this and do it somewhere between, maybe. Yeah, because uh, he does it in... I think it's in... It's in C, I think. And, I mean, it would have been very easy to do this in probably G, maybe, mm. and have it in the middle. But then, you know, we'd probably say it was wrong then if, and sound a bit boring if it was there, so... Well, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? I've given it 72 for production. Yeah, it's not it's not his most dynamic. Nah, it's just right. Um, so, lyrics then. Lyrics. No great shakes here. You don't get as good a line as you do in Heart of the Country about a horse and a sheep and a good night's sleep, which is still one of, becoming one of my favourite lyrics. Um, you get walking and lying in a field, standing in a stream, climbing a hill. And Getting your kit off. For some reason, he comes to taking off his hat and boots all the time. Um, but I suspect in Scotland, where his farm was, he probably would have wanted to keep your hats and boots on quite a lot. I have dipped my feet in a stream in Scotland, although I will say it was in the borders rather than up in the highlands. Um, right. And if anyone is ever up near... Hermitage Castle. It's a very beautiful place, and you can you can if it's summer, you can take your, your shoes and socks off, and you put your little feet in the stream, and it's very refreshing and crisp. Oh, very nice. I'm sure on the one day a year where that's applicable, it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, you don't uh, leave them in there for long. No. Um, Retrieve we, your feet. Yes, we know this well by now, don't we? Macca, country living, um, it's good, but not the most poetic rendering of the same theme. Um, it's just, I'd, I want to, it's a bit like I lie around, isn't it? I lie around and this and heart of the country. Yeah. We're getting very, there's there's a definite through line and some are, some are better than others. Um, I've given it 70, 70 for lyrics, which gives it 73.5 overall. I will give you a link to the Beatles though with this here. Well, that's Paul McCartney. I know, I know, it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, Paul McCartney was in the Beatles. Did you know that? <laughs> um, no, apparently, so I'd like to walk in a field with you. He's taken that inspiration from Ivor Cutler, who plays Buster yeah, Bloodvessel in Magic- yeah, on Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. And Ivor Cutler is brilliant. And something that wasn't included in Magical Mystery Tour, but is um, on the ex- extra on one of the DVDs, is him doing I'm Going in a Field. Yeah. Which is one of his, Ivor Actually, Cutler yeah. playing his harmonium. I'm going in a field. To, I, can't, I've, I try and sing it every time. It's too low and I can't get the tune right. To lie down. Um, but I'm going in a field is brilliant, and Ivor Cutler's brilliant. Um, but, and I like the idea that that would have sort of stuck. Well, he's done um, I I Lie Around and this, so I think he's just basically stolen all yeah. of his solo work from Ivor Cutler. Then. And the only other thing I would say before we move on is he keeps referring to a character called May in this song. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, it's, it's just a name he's made up in that sort of... McCartney way, except it's it's not like Ellen, like where well, there's any inner life like Eleanor yeah. Rigby or anything. I, I, I remember. Th- actually, Would you like to do it to man? Yeah, I actually thought when I was first listening to it, trying to figure out what you were saying before I pulled up the lyrics that you were saying mate. Would you like? Well, to I do thought it, it was like mate, mate, or like saying man in a funny voice. Yeah, you know. But it's just may, like a cool person would. Okay, right then. So we move on. Mm-hmm. Next, we have. Early 1970, Ringo. I play guitar, A, D, E. I don't play bass, 
1970, Paul. It's uh, uh, what's May, January, February, March, April, May, it's May, mid, work. mid 2023. Yeah, is, is that the joke? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, early 1970 by Ringo Starr is the B side to It Don't Come Easy, which we had last week. Oh, yeah, so that that's interesting to couple those two together in terms of what they mean in regards yes. to Ringo's musical personality. Yeah. So, yeah, that means it comes out on the 9th of April 1971, gets to number four in the charts in the uh, UK, number one in America, uh, on Apple. And this is recorded on, I think the basic track's recorded on the 3rd of October 1970 at Abbey Road, written by Mr. Richard Starkey, produced by Ringo as well. Okay. This one. And the only people playing on it, as far as anyone knows, although it must be more than this probably, is Ringo, George and Klaus. Right. But we don't know who's playing the actual proper piano because it sounds, it doesn't sound like George doing the sort of rock and roll piano bits. Um, yeah. I mean, Ringo does his little joke bit yeah. on the piano. So let me, yeah. So personnel for this, Ringo, vocals and drums, obviously. Mm-hmm. Rhythm acoustic guitar. The opening slide Dobro guitar, the double bass and the piano. Mm. So those last ones are all the, or the, sorry, the double bass and the piano. Are just on that stuff. Little are on the bit. comedy bit, yeah. yeah. George plays all the other guitars, like including the slide stuff. Probably some piano. Mm-hmm. Klaus plays the bass, the electric bass, mm. and probably someone else playing piano. But there's there's no evidence of who it is, and memories I suspect to have. Uh, Faded, yeah. Probably Gary Wright. He played on lots of the other stuff uh, as well. But yeah, like I say, I think the most interesting thing about this track is, well, no, I think this is a very, very interesting track. In fact, um, really, really interesting out of all of the things that Ringo's done. But the fact that it's coupled with it don't come easy, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Snapshots of Ringo. I think, yeah, well, I think my, my note is I think the lyrics is where we're going to get stuck into this mostly. Mm, yeah. Because it's a vehicle for those lyrics. I'm talking about the music, though, to start us off. I mean, well, this is firstly by Ringo. Thank you for the being part of this chart. And this is a strange way to bow out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it is a stra- yeah, it's yeah. strange. Yeah, it is strange. I agree. but And it's interesting how, cause, yeah, we had a, this is the B side to the last week's one. So he's gone out on a paired kind of single. Um, with thematic links, um, I don't probably think probably the is, most probably the most unique of all of the Ringo ones we've had. I'd yeah, say though, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be this last minute one that is going to propel him into the top ten. Fascinating, no. fascinating as it is, and that's the word is fascinating. But I mean, um, that's for lots of other reasons. Because music, musically, it's a little shuffling. I don't know, country song. Yeah, it's you know. So George's guitar playing on this is very Carl Perkins. Yeah. Something that they've obviously done loads of, like Honey Don't and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which and it's, they knew, Ringo and George knew inside out. And even for Ringo, it's got an exceptionally limited and simple melody to it. You know, it's, yeah. it's mainly a very straightforward vocal line with lots of twiddly, twiddly guitars bending along to everything. Bass is fun, uh, and there's some interesting discordant piano bits and boogie bits, which I said sound a little Elton Johnish, but obviously can't be, and we don't know who it is. But it's got 
like you say, I it's mean, it someone... could, it, it, technically it could be Elton John, but yeah. it isn't. It's someone who can play a bit of a bit of piano in that style, isn't it? Like, like yeah. you say, it doesn't. Not and we know Ringo can do a bit of the walking bass piano stuff because you see him doing it in that in Get Back, jamming with yeah. Paul on the piano. But he's not doing so, this one. This isn't Ringo. Is I think possibly he's just the just the illustration comedy bit he's doing. Yeah, he's doing. I think he's doing. You know, in C because that's why it changes key because it's part of. But the piano throughout is. Yeah, but otherwise it's it's someone else definitely. Some nice drums and some shall we say featured instruments, which is Ringo playing. So he 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 did actually do the the guitar, the bass, and the piano bit. That's nice to know that he did actually. It was actually him in those. So if depending on what clip we play before this, then there's a bit in this where he goes. All the chords I can play are A, D, E, and then it kind of badly goes ching, ching, ching through those chords. And what is it? And um, I can only play piano when it's play in C. Play piano as long as it's in C. C and then he yeah. plays a little rock and roll piano. And then Can't he play, play bass because that's too hard for me. And then he kind of goes bum, 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 bum. But, um, and they double it as well, the bass playing that he tries to do on, on the lower end of the guitar, don't they? Well, but, yeah. it's because Klaus is playing bass, bass, and then they're sticking this double bass on top. Uh, right. Sort of so it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun, I like that. Um, I think about, like I say, I think the main discussion around this one is going to be the lyrics. So I'm not going to linger on the music. It isn't exactly a great song. It's a fun ditty, but not in the way that Macca can do a fun ditty that you will be singing to yourself all week, i.e. Heart of the Country. Um, so I've given this one 59 for music. Aww. I think its strengths lie elsewhere. Yeah, I will just say, I mean, what I like is it's worth listening to it because it's a sort of it's a portrait in in music and he knows what he's doing with this one it's not like he's trying to present it as anything other than his little here's my thoughts on my mates leaving me yeah type thing so i like this the first verse is about paul the second verse is about i know this is lyrics but second verse about john the third verse about george the drums listen to the drums on the mccartney verse where it's like bomb sip bomb sip before the actual drums kick in properly. I don't know whether that's some sort of reference to Paul's drum playing style or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. But, uh, um, I don't know. Possibly not. But yeah, remember at this point, he's been making his second album, Bookup of Blues. Bookup of Blues. Boku of Blues. Which was a country record. So, Right. The style, okay. the style's in mind, anyway. Yes. So, I mean, so there's, yeah, the, the lyrics... I was going to explore the, more of that, but um, yes, you're right. He's got musical nods too in it. Um, it's a production, though. I've got nothing bad to say about the production, really. The overall sound is nice enough, and it has those funny bits in it, like you say, and those little nods, which I think are handled nicely. Yeah. Um, the piano, whoever's playing it, sounds great, and the bass, guitar, and drums are generally locked in very well, so I've just given it 76 for production. Yeah, well done, Ringo. I think the thing to remember with this production is um, if you're listening in your left speaker, there's like an acoustic rhythm guitar going. And I think that is Ringo playing all the way through the the guitar. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And you can sort of hear that it's not particularly well strummed, but it does the job. Oh. Um, so I think that is Ringo. And, and then the piano is off in the right speaker, so you get to hear that nice and clearly as well. But otherwise, yeah, it's just a, it's just a nice little job job done. Job done, Ringo. Job done. So let's go on to the lyrics then, because that's definitely where the uh, the uh, the meat of the this interest song. it yeah. lies. Yeah. So, um, when shall I, I read? F- sorry, Gary. Shall I read you a quick thing from an interview he gave in two thousand and one? Go on then. Right. Um, Billboard magazine, twenty sixth of May two thousand and one. It's an interview where he's asked about this. It's not just a random interview. I just want to quote from. Okay. Um, 
so someone asks him, um, is it true that It Don't Come Easy was about the Beatles breakup? He, he says, yes, it's semi-true. Actually, that was about where I was at the time with the Beatles. The song where I tried to put that all into perspective was the B-side called Early 1970. And they say, as you sang on that track, when they, quote, come to town, I know they're, quote, going to play with me. And he goes, yeah, but one of them wasn't going to play Nervous Chuckle, it says mm-hmm. here. At that point, I felt that when John comes to town, I know he's going to play with me. And if George comes to town, I know he'll play with me. And if Paul's come to town, if Paul's, if Paul comes to town, I wonder if he's going to play. We were going through that Apple nonsense where Paul was suing the three of us and he was angry and we were angry and I was wondering when that would stop. And it breaks my little heart to think how unhappy all this would have made Ringo, Mm. especially given that a lot of what happened was off the back of McCartney laying into him about album release dates, the solo album yeah. release dates and, and the fallout that they'd had in that situation. You know, so mm. it, it, this song kind of breaks my heart because it's, it's just, it's sweet and silly and, and, and it's, it's like your gang's breaking up and yeah. where, are, where are they? Yeah. So, I mean, this is it. The, you know, for the context, it, yeah, every verse is about one of them isn't it and yeah um and then the last one's kind of about him ish or that little yeah. break is um yeah and it starts with mccartney and actually i'm looking at it now i'm wondering if there's a there is a deeper thing because he says he lives on a farm got plenty of charm beep beep <laughs> beep beep he's got no cows but he's sure got a whole lot of sheep that could be a bit of a that sounds uh, if you, you you could interpret that quite savagely like he's got some hanger honors or he's got some yeah. he's got some entourage or something but then he says, and brand new life, well, brand new wife with and, and family. And when he comes to town, I wonder if you'll play with me. And the then key he, word there is wonder. Yeah, wonder, I yeah. Wonder that's where it gets d- deeper on the, on the McCartney verse. Then for John's verse, laying in bed, watching TV, cookie! Cookies! Or yeah. rather, yeah, I can't do the cookie monster voice properly. Oh, is that what, so is he saying that? Because like, like, that's what he's watching on TV. Yeah, so there's a John song called Hold On, in which at one point John just goes, cookies! Right, so he's because just, he'd just be, he'd become addicted to watching Sesame Street, Sesame Street right? <laughs> which began in the in the sort of mid late sixties. Uh, great, and so this is a reference to John, a reference to John watching the Cookie Monster. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I like, I like it's great. The, the great lyrics like, um, yeah, a brand new wife with, and then John, yeah, laying in bed watching TV, Cookie with his mama by his <sighs> side, which is we can't his... do a Cookie Monster voice. Sorry, Gary. It's all right. I, really, it's really I, I annoying didn't me. Expect you to. She's cookies. um, it, no, it's not worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, his ma- mama by his side she's Japanese they scream and they cry now they're free and when he comes to town so that's all all consistent and then for George he's a long haired cross legged guitar picker mm-hmm. <laughs> with his long legged lady in the garden picking daisies for his soup for yeah. his soup picking Reference daisies to for his, his vegetarianism ah uh, yes there we go a 40 acre house he doesn't see because he's always in town playing with you and me. So yeah, and then he's got his I play guitar, AD, etc. So I, yeah, I, it's it's um apart from the um um and soup being a bit of a dubious rhyme, overall it's a really an interesting way to list out what was happening and what it meant to him and what he thought of himself at the end of it. And like I say, paired with it, don't come easy. You get a real portrait of Ringo's uncertainty about himself and what's going on with the rest of them, and it's a real artifact kind of biographical piece. Yeah, and is, when I go to town, I want to see all three. Is how it ends. Yeah, it's like I want you to as well, Ringo. Uh, yeah, he's like his little face in the in the get back sessions when everything's going yeah. to, to 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 poop, shall I say? And you yeah. can see he's just like, oh, 
What's happening? <laughs> Don't do this to Ringo. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Look at little Ringo. You know, and considering how nervous McCartney used to get about, well, do I need to now prove myself again? And what am I going to, am I going to be doing cruise ships or what am I doing now? Like what much of Ringo was thinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't full of confidence anyway. And he was Ringo compared to Lennon and McCartney. He'd, you know, George was having a bad enough time with the, with the handful of songs he was able to get through and how that, even with that, he was kind of, you know, and then Ringo's there, you know, someone play me. But he he did all right in the end. Yeah. And he still is. So I gave mm-hmm. him 82 for lyrics. Good out. Which gives it 72.3 overall. Ah, Right then. Should we do the next one? Yeah. Soily, Paul McCartney. Soily, Paul. Is it? Oh, I don't know how you get rid of oil out of things. So, uh, uh, it's soily. Soily, isn't it? Uh, uh, now, soily, um, by wings, in fact. By wings, sorry. You know, yeah. you know. By now, you know what I mean when I say Paul McCartney, usually. Yeah. So this is the B-side of the single Maybe I'm Amazed. Well, that one hasn't come out yet. Um, hmm. Which comes out on the 4th of February, 1977. This is spoilers. Obviously, Maybe I'm Amazed is going to come out today. Yeah. Um, and it gets to number 28 in the charts in the UK, five weeks in the charts. And the associated album is Wings Over America, the big three-disc live album. And Soily is recorded on the 7th of June, 1976, at McNichols Sports Arena in Denver. The record's produced by McCartney, and obviously the song's credited to McCartney, although it is little more than an annoying jam. There we are, nailing my colours to the mast straight away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, anyway, the lineup you hear on the record is Paul on vocals and bass, Linda on backing vocals and keyboards, Denny Lane on electric guitar, backing vocals, uh, Jimmy McCulloch on guitar. I mean, there's some good rock guitar in this. Yeah. Joe English on drums and the horn section of Tony Dorsey, Howie Casey, Steve Howard and Thaddeus Richard. Um, And I will say, as with sort of the rest of Wings Over America, nicely recorded. They, mm. they basically took out, uh, you know, a mobile recording unit and captured loads and loads of versions of different things and selected the best ones. Mm. Or rather, someone shortlisted the best ones and then Paul chose the final ones. And it's a song they've been playing in concert since the early days of Wings when they basically had no material to play. And so you need something that is <clears throat> five minutes, 44 seconds long. Yeah. To pad out your sets. Um, but let me say that again. Five minutes, 44 seconds long. And we haven't even got on to what the lyrics are about. Yeah. Um, it's not one for me, this one, really. It's it's fine. It's riffs and McCartney doing what he can do in his sleep, which is go, oh, yeah, you know, for days. Um, yeah, just vocal riffing away to kind of, yeah. 
and then some pretty incomprehensible lyrics. So yeah, oh well, our notes are going to be pretty consistent with each other's. Then I think. <laughs> I mean, we have accounting, which is always a good start, especially we, when you're playing live. Yeah, so we um, all have to guess. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it makes more sense in the live context, doesn't it? Um, some vamping on the bass and rock riffs all over it, basically. And um, we're in that kind of wings when Macca wants to rock it world. Come on, wings, let's rock it. That's how he <laughs> used to say. That's how he used to start off every jam. And, um, the verse is a standard fare as a result of it just being a rocky type of let's rock it out boys type of song. And uh, the chorus I just can't make out. It kind of says, Soily, doesn't it basically and that's what it sounds like on the record certainly yeah, yeah and there's some weirdish timing over the lyrics that makes it so i can't ever understand them as well and and it's not a very catchy chorus um i don't now i don't mind a rock vamp kind of you know just chuntering kind of stuff but it has to be really good with a worth it chorus or something doesn't it it has to either be like top of its game rocking out or have something interesting in it that makes it worth it I'm not sure I'm getting it from this. Um, no. The chorus feels like it could have been stronger. There's some fairly rocky guitar bits over though, while Maka kind of sings and riffs. I mean, I don't think um, I don't think it's it, I don't think it's a bad piece of music. I just it's just it is a big a big jam. I don't dislike it. I think as much as you, I've given it 72 for music. I think if you were in McNichols Sports Arena, Denver, or any of the other places yeah. on that tour, and he's closing the set with this, um, you'd be a baffled because you'd never have heard it before and wouldn't yeah. know it but b you wouldn't mind because you'd have had a rocking you know set of loads of stuff mm. and it's it is a good way to end a set so you'd perhaps be in two minds about it but you'd be going away going what was that last one he played yeah and you'd everyone would be going no idea couldn't hear a word yeah some it, some noise some noise <laughs> um anyway 72 for some noise um production uh, apart from so the problem with the production is the not being able to make anything out of the lyrics in certain parts. I don't mind the big rock out sound, and I think for a live recording it's good. Everything is loud and live sounding. Yeah, I think uh, the horn parts sound really good. Yeah, yeah, but I don't like the way they have his voice because I just have no idea what he's saying in the chorus at all. Except we'll be able to um, look at that in the lyrics because we've I've you know, but um, there's some hint. There's some hint. I meant to say harsh synth, and I just turned it into hint. There's yep, some harsh synth in the background that's not really making its way through, so you just you pick up every now and again some kind of um, distorted synth sound behind it all. It is a bit rough and ready because it's live, isn't it? So, but I've given it 69 for production. It's recorded on 24 track tapes, so they had a, a mobile unit that was recording on the 24 track. So everything's really, you know, he's got a lot of options in the mix yeah. with this. And the fact that he's left the vocals the way he's left the vocals makes me think, you know, he didn't really want them to be heard. Um, right. I think as well, in terms of it as a single, they could have knocked off the first 39 seconds of this, and then it would have only just been slightly over five minutes. Yeah, but this was you the know, B-side, wasn't it? Too. Yeah, yeah. So they could have... Um, they could have got rid of the first 39 seconds side where the harmony guitars come in, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they, it, a, a few, couple of years later, they did try and do a studio version of it to go along with a, a Wings TV project that never materialised. Um, and so you can hear some other versions of this, but like, there's, it's not, there's no official 
studio recorded version of this. So okay. this is the only version there there is that exists out there. But yeah, it's you know it's captured well, but it is what it is. Rock rock mess. Yeah, it's a big yeah. Probably better to experience than to sit and listen to on some headphones. Yeah, in a little room, staring at your Lord of the Rings map. Um, okay, so um, lyrics then. Um, I'll leave you to deal with this one. I'm off. Yeah. So I tried to research uh, the lyrics, um, and if I what I found was in any way accurate, then this should be interesting. Now, it probably isn't. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to test you with what I found some mention of in a forum. Okay, that something to do with a mouse from an hour long cartoon he produced that was never seen. It has been seen since. Not by me, I hasten to add. Actually, I've still never seen it. So, yeah, so, so that is that is right, then. It is something yes. to do with it. So, you know, Macca loves cartoons. I can, you know, but essentially the only one he's produced that was publicly released was the uh, Rupert and the Frog yeah. Chorus, which yeah. I love. Absolutely beautiful thing. Um, I mean, visually as well as musically. Yeah. But he had had this thing worked on in the 70s so a very macker thing to do is like oh i think well, what we'll do is we'll have a wings sh- sort of film but it's going to be told from the perspective of the animated mice who live under the stage <laughs> it's like yeah okay it's already tickling it's, i'm glad that this was a real thing because i was like yeah. this can't be right the only mention of this is on someone's comment on a forum <laughs> yeah but so the thing is there's a character probably named after the song rather than the other way around mm. i think I, i'm not an expert on this at all um, it's called the Bruce McMouse Show, right. which is quite funny because our dad's called Bruce. Yeah. Um, and the son of Bruce McMouse is called Soily. Right. And this gets made in 1977, and it wasn't released until 2019. And does it is it like mixed with live action footage? Of the, yeah, of- it is. It's sort of live action concert footage and stuff. And then uh, below the stage, there's these mice. That's amazing. <laughs> Can we add it to one of our specials, please? I think we will add it to one of our specials. I think we have to. And and, and yeah. anyone who's listening can tell us if they've seen it, what they think. <laughs> so, but we don't think, we think that this song existed and he kind of used it more lightly because it, it's not that the lyrics are saying, yeah, live and you live under the stage and you're a mouse. It's not saying that. It's saying no. lots of things. It's saying lots of, I think, kind of random things. And I don't quite get what the word soily means outside no. of that context of giving it as a name for something is it like is it meant to be like because all says, i could talk you know about what? People, people being soil you've got some pretty soily company like like grotty or oily I, like like i don't know i don't know what my instinct would be that it would be someone would have said to paul oh this is soily uh, or, or that's that's oily that is oily and he's gone soily oh i'll write a song about that um but I, I don't know, because, you know, it's not in the lyrics book, funnily enough. Because <laughs> um, he looked at it and went, I, I don't know why I wrote that. Well, I think I, I found a quote somewhere and then I lost it again and I couldn't find the source oh. of him basically saying, and it is tedious to keep repeating this when it comes to McCartney in the 70s, but uh, yeah, substances might have been involved when I wrote that, those lyrics. You Possibly, know, yeah. he may have smoked some stuff. And the phrase, soily, soily, the cat in satin trousers said it's oily. <laughs> you know, it? cat in satin, nice little internal rhyme. Cat in satin trousers said it's oily, but rhyming oily with soily, and when soily isn't really a word, or it, it is, but it's not It's not being used in, 
it, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, perhaps some people might know better than us and be able to point us at some so, evidence yeah. otherwise. I mean, the only thing that sort of ties it into it being a good live thing is people gathered here tonight, I want you to listen to me as the opening lines. Yeah. To your left. But yeah, it's, it's right. just nonsense. So, well, there's reader, writer, farmer, priest, breed controller, born, deceased, Indian lawyer, doctor, dog, and a plumber with a fattened hog. I quite like those words, but it, it they, but if they're in a different song, I think, because they, 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 they just Isn't seem... that the witches from Macbeth? <laughs> the well, things they put, <laughs> what you put yeah. in the cauldron. Heart of, heart of Toad. Yeah. Yeah, Indian lawyer. Indian lawyer, doctor, doctor dog, dog, and a plumber with a fattened hog. They're not bad nonsense lyrics. Pain of Cordor. <laughs> liar, cheetah, jungle chief, saint, believer, on relief, action painter, Hitler's son, and a commie with a Tommy gun. But it gets undone by the soily, soily cat trousers, oily stuff. I don't. It's too gibberishy for me. Um, it's a bit like Sea Moon in that, like, I think it only makes sense to him at a certain time in his <laughs> yeah, life, yeah, and yeah, even yeah. he doesn't remember that anymore. So I've, um, I've gone to give it sixty for lyrics, which gives it sixty-seven altogether. Yeah. I think you might be generous there. Well, yeah. Doesn't matter, it's getting close to the end, isn't it? Um, so, shall we go on to the next one then, Paul? Number four. Number four. Watching the wheels, John Lennon. People say I'm lazy. Dreaming my life away. Well, they give me all kinds of advice. Watching the wheels, Paul. Not from here. I can't, I've closed the curtain. And uh, even if I looked out there, that's the gardens, not the front road. Uh, which is what John was doing when he was writing this sort of song. Sat in the Dakota looking out of his window at cars going past. And that's partly uh, where the imagery comes from. Okay. As well as sort of the notion of internal sort of mechanism of going, getting on with things. But anyway, that, we'll get to that. Uh, watching yeah. the wheels. So this is our sort of latest. I think it's interesting. Is this the very last one of our list? Yeah, it will be, won't it? In terms of ones I've included. Because this of, is the last. Of Lennon's. Of any of them, you know, this is the latest one because I allowed Lennon to come into the singles off Double Fantasy. Yeah. So, the, so this is posthumous release. Yeah. So the B side to that is <clears throat> Yes, I'm Your Angel, which was ages ago. Oh yeah. We did that one comes out on the twenty seventh of March, nineteen eighty one. Uh, initially got to number thirty over here, which seems it's very seems, strange seems given the mad. Wa- yeah, yeah. in the wake of his death. On Geffen and comes off Double Fantasy. It's recorded on the 18th of August, 1980, and then vocal overdubs at the t- on the 20th of September, 1980, at the Hit Factory in New York, written by John and produced by John Yoko and Jack Douglas. So it's got that Double Fantasy sound, because the stuff off Double Fantasy sounds, you know, it's the start of Lennon's 80s career. Sadly, it's also essentially the end of it. Yeah. Which is, again, heartbreaking. Mm. Um, which I find even harder because I really, really love this song and I always have done. Mm. Um, 
and I'm not sure what people's general vibe is with watching the Wiz. I think some people don't like it because it's sort of this weird keyboard-driven thing rather than guitar-driven thing, but not keyboard-driven like Imagine. You know, it's a different sort of arrangement. I think it splits the difference a little bit. Yeah, it does a little bit. Um, But the people playing on it, I'll I'll run them down here. It's it's John Lennon. uh, Run them down. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? (laughs) I'll, I'll run down the list of people playing on this. John on vocals and a Yamaha electric grand piano. Right. Earl Slick and Humor Kraken on guitars. Tony Levin on bass guitar. I think it's probably fretless on this one, given mm. given the way Tony Levin plays. George Small is doing loads of keyboard stuff on it. So I think he's doing all the other sort of keyboards like a Fender Rhodes, the Prophet 5 synth, which is a mm. big feature of this because that's doing all the string. sort of faux brass and string sounds yeah. on it. We've got Andy Newmark doing some fabulous drumming. Mm-hmm. Arthur Jenkins on percussion. We have the backing vocal group that he uses at this time, which is Michelle Simpson, Cassandra Wooten, Cheryl Mason Jackson, Eric Troyer. And we have a chap called Matthew Cunningham on hammered dulcimer. Isn't that sooty? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I thought... Or is it Harry? Isn't, Are you thinking of Matthew Corbett? Oh, yeah. Sorry, for a second I just thought it was sooty. Yeah. Go on, yep. Um, George Harrison, big fan of sooty. Oh, there we go. It was worth yeah. saying then. <laughs> Yeah, no, Matthew Cunningham. Let me let me just do get Matthew Cunningham out of the way here. So, Hammer Dulcimer. Do you know what Hammer Dulcimer is, Gary? Um, is it a something? No, <laughs> I don't know what it All is. Right. It's a little bit like a sort of a table harp, a bit like the auto harp that I've got. Yeah, and we've talked about before. It's like a stringed instrument that you sort of play by striking it with these sort of little hammers, and okay. it's the sound in this song that you hear at the top of the, uh, just before he says. I just had to let it go. There's a sort of little sound yeah. at the top, oh, yes, at the top yes, of the I phrase. Thought, I, I, I thought it was something like mandolin on it, but it's... Yeah, well, that yeah, yeah it, that's the hammered dulcimer okay. in this. But anyway, so there's a... Uh, Tony Davilio, who's one of the engineers on the session, says um, that basically... <coughs> excuse me. Jack Douglas heard this guy called Matthew Cunningham playing dulcimer on the street. Right. And this was this guy who was a hippie with stringy long hair, a typical street musician. They brought him in to play Dulcimer on Watching the Wheels. He came in looking pretty spaced out. So he's sitting there playing along to the track and the tape stops. John's in the control room and says something to him over the talkback speakers. And Matt looks, squinted his eyes, looking at him and says, what's your name? <laughs> and John gets back on the talkback and says, my name's John. This guy's just staring at him and goes, hi, John. And then John says, hi, Matt. And they're all laughing. Because this guy didn't know who he was. Apparently, he was the only person in the country who didn't know John Lennon. <laughs> and that's sort of been borne out with other people who've talked about him since. Like, yeah, he didn't know who John Lennon was in 1980. <laughs> that's insane. Oh, cool. And um, a lovely story to add to this song, which I just, I think the chords are great. I think the chorus is great. I think the arrangement's great. I think John's voice is great. Well, you um, score it. You score it then. <laughs> well, I, I'd score it very, very highly. So... Oh. Okay. We'll see what happens. Well, well, I think it's an excellent song. I've, I've always thought it was an excellent song. And um, I was so glad when I put on the earphones and listened to this that I, I didn't have the issues that we've had with things like Instant Karma and some of the others where my memory of it and my appreciation yeah, yeah, of yeah. the song is slightly marred by a close listening of the recording and the performances of it. Because this, as well as being an awesome song in its in its construction and its, its writing, is played really well by all involved too. And, you know, the piano and the organ parts work off and with each other really well. 
Lennon is singing in a controlled and highly charismatic way rather than a, it's loud and you just have to deal with it kind of way. The vibrant groove of the bass and drums with the piano make this very melancholic yet upbeat. It's got a very interesting kind of um, dichotomy at the heart of it. It it has emotional heft, but kind of pop mm. rock jazz listenability. Uh, uh, I, I love the simplicity, almost imagine-like, of the semitonal shift in the kind of piano part that that it's like it's it's like is it the third isn't it kind of like um yeah yeah just moving around that creates the kind of hook of the piano for the first part of the verses and it's simply moving between two chords that's why it's imagine like in that sense that for those for the first part of the song you're just going from one chord to the next great melody and then again he earns the progression that emerges from it then a bit like instant karma so the resulting chorus variation and how it employs the kind of minor chord on the how I love to watch them roll bit and falls into a kind of a bebop sound and his falsetto is kind of high bit at the end of all that phrase. It's all just like, Mwah, you know, wonderful. And we'll talk about it in production. Sounds great as well. Mm. Sounds crisp and sounds brilliant. The bass is really nice. I love the octave yeah. popping sounds and restrained use. Of, it's got a funk. It's like a funk bassist under control. For, it's giving it that sensibility without making it a funk song. It's, yeah, Tony it's, Levin's a, a, a astonishingly good bass player. Yeah, it, it kind of it drives a song that is, yeah, melancholic yet upbeat and catchy and like toe tapping. It's great. It's, it's, it's a great song. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all I've got to say about it. Which is a, I've given it ninety four for music. Fair enough. It's a biggie. Yeah. Um. Production, I think we're going to get a double whammy, like I said, because I think it's really well produced and I'm really glad about it as well. Because, And it makes me sad that Instant Karma and stuff doesn't sound as good as this and that you didn't get the chance maybe later in life to kind of go, yeah, can we clean some of them ones up that we were a bit more like... Because he obviously changed his mind from that kind of, we've got it down, we don't need to put as much effort into it because it's raw and it's and to, to this generation of stuff where they've, they've like, let's get it sounding really nice. You know, yeah, and it does. Um, there's no errors in it that I can tell. There's no distorted vocals. There's no clangy chorus of fifty pianos all playing at the same time. The strings, which is, you've told me, are synth strings. You said, yeah, yeah, are subtle and supporting, not a wall of sound. And so John's vocal and John's vocals is pretty clean, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's 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 very easy to hear. There is a, a sort of doubling effect on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and if you listen to the stripped down version off Double Fantasy Stripped Down, it is his just voice. It is his just voice. It oh, I'm getting just... as bad as you. <laughs> um, it's just his voice, very, very dry. And that's yeah. really interesting to listen to. You know, the stripped down version is a really interesting one because it makes it much more like a traditional man with piano song. Yeah. Um, but if you want to hear his, vo- his voice totally clear, that's the one to listen to. On this this version, it has a bit of an effect on it, but not so much that it's trying to pull John away from himself, which he so often seemed to want in his vocal. Yeah. You know, to sort of make it a record rather than making it John, if that makes sense. And um here you get I yeah. think a good a good decision in how they've done it. It's really good. It's how the other ones should have sounded really clarity wise, if, <laughs> if not dynamically. Each part is clear and nicely defined. There's some lovely stuff in the merry go round bit that sound like well that's why I thought it was like a mandolin actually, but you said it's the dulcimer hammer. Hammered Dulcimer. The Hammered Dulcimer. Um, 
it sounds really good and defines for me what Lennon's sound could have gone on to have been for a long time to come if we hadn't have had the tragedy of it. Yeah. And it's it, and there's there's not much else going on to add kind of extra flair marks like you know he doesn't do a huge although that mandolin point's nice. You know it's not like it's um it's just a really it's one of those where it's a really well produced record. Rather it's than so a, well arranged given that it's very yeah. keyboard heavy. Um, the keyboards aren't all getting in each other's way, like you say. It's not a stack of keyboards. You have the my, my favourite bit is the sort of false French horns that are in it. Mm. So in in the sort of two last lines of each verse, they go da 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 da, da. or not quite those notes. I'm trying to picture it in my mind, and they do that lovely sort of build up, build up, mm. build up, and then the first time it stops and goes to the second verse. Time after that into the chorus. Yeah, just beautifully arranged. Just. Just great. Uh, I will say before you give any scores, though. Okay. If you compare it to the ultimate mix, which obviously it's it's been treated to, mm. the ultimate mix I do not like. Oh. Yeah, it's very clear. But what they've done is they've softened the band down too much. I think yes, this original mix can seem a little bit brittle because it's a lot of electric keyboards, which which of the period can sound a bit brittle. But what right. they've done in the ultimate mix is sort of pulled those keyboards down with eq taking a lot of the top end off it to more, mm. sort of make it warmer sounding and i actually think it doesn't do it well oh. it just it makes it worse and they sort of hide the synths away in the in the mix so i don't hey, like the ultimate mix you've got to hide your synths away you do um i i might have listened to the ultimate mix so it obviously didn't bother me enough but it I might have got more score than if i'd listened to whatever um version else the original whatever i could find that hasn't because most of them are so many that pop up now with lennon stuff i'll just pick the latest looking one um i gave it 90 for production okay so good oh so let's see what these lyrics are about then mm, right all this score. i'll give you my opinion on it as well yeah. apart from the sort of my i'm not my feelings but just an opinion about it Go on. this is like a mccartney song in that Paul writes loads of songs about getting away from it all to the countryside, as we have yeah. been discussing. Yeah. And yet what he can't do is actually stop himself working. Yeah. So McCartney's like, I want to get away from it to the countryside. And now I'm on tour again, making a record yeah. again. On tour again, making a record again. Go to the countryside. Yeah. Oi. And what John's done here is go, well, I've just spent five years away from everything. Yeah. And I actually have spent five years away from everything and I don't mind. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, and that's what this song's about. He's, it's like a Paul song, except that John actually did step away from it all. He just didn't go up to a farm. He just, yeah. Did it's a song stuff. about not doing anything, which yeah. in itself is a contradiction in terms because he's, well, d- yes. doing, he's doing this song. Because he's writing this at the point where his career's starting up again. Yeah. We spoke about Ringo being biographical with his song, um, and we know that no one really does biographical better than John, and this is a prime example as well. Yeah, It's all laid bare in the song. It's like a concise and poetic diary entry or interview response summed up in a three-minute kind of... Well, yeah, it is exactly that. It's it's a a response to people saying, come on, if you don't make a record soon, people are going to forget about you. Come on, why aren't you making records? Yeah. Come on, John. And he's like, I've done it. Yeah, and he's also he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. You know, when yeah. he was taking it easy, everyone's saying, "Where is he? What what are you doing? What's wrong?" And when he is doing something, people are saying, "What are you doing? What's this?" <laughs> you know, everyone... Oh, stop preaching, Lennon. Yeah, but um, 
But I really like the idea that in his tragically short life, he had that period of being kind of in a peaceful place, you know, that he didn't, he did have a proper step back with his family, didn't he? You know, yeah. he had that, that, that late, that second half of the seventies where he, he did go, no, oh, I'm being, you know, he, he, he got his stuff together a bit, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what makes it so absolutely tragic. I mean, yeah. much as we are sort of quite lighthearted and, and very often seem glib on this. We, I promise you, we're not really glib. These things matter a lot and songs like this have always been you know very close to my heart especially as i learned about john lennon yeah you know and um yeah absolutely tragic that you know he's sort of had this time and he's reflected on it in this sort of song and he was moving forward and then mm. i tell them there's no hurry i'm just sitting here doing time as it was he didn't have any more time yeah. much longer than this and it absolutely genuinely it breaks my heart yeah I know, yeah, it does, and just it's but a nice way, to, a nice thought of that is, thank goodness he got that time, for what it was. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, because um, he could have not had that time, and and been meaning to take it, and it still could have happened, you know. But it's it's just such a shame. It's everything about it's always just a shame. But within itself, this this the song, it's it's a, uh, it's just it's. It's not a, a big conceptual leap to to look at, you know, um, link letting time run past you and uh, as watching the wheels turn. It's but it's definitely the right idea to get across that that idea, you know, and the, the right it's the right metaphor to use to get across or simile. And I always get those mixed up. But um, haven't you got a, a, a first class degree in creative writing? <laughs> yeah, doesn't mean I've got a first class degree in getting metaphor and simile. <laughs> not mixed up now and again. So one of the metaphors like now metaphor is where something is. You actually actually say something. So if he's watching the wheels go round and round, he's not saying it's like watching the wheels. He's, he's, so this is metaphor, right? This is metaphor. Someone's going to tell me it isn't, but either way, it's a good metaphor. Um, and for for what was happening and where he was, and it's it's um. It's a great, great lyrics. I'm not going to say much more about them. 86.5, I've given it for lyrics. I think the other thing to think is, as well, it's quite easy to... Uh, Empathise isn't the right word. Even though these are specifically about John, it's very often if you've had those times in your life where you feel like you're outside of everything mm. and you're all right with that, you know, yeah. it, it's it's got that nice sort of... Uni- it's it's a universal thing as well. You can You can understand the sentiments that he's saying. I'd like to have my watching the wheels go round patch in my life at some point, you know. I'd like that. I don't think I've had that point, but I can imagine it from this song. The, um, no, I've, you know, I'm just, I'm just not getting, letting myself get too invested in whatever's going on. I'm just, you know, just chilling, enjoying the small things. I think it's good. It feels to me like a song that comes from a good place, you know. Yes, I think so. Not everyone gets to have, especially someone, not someone with such a crazy life as he had up to that point. So I've given it a, 86.5, 86.5, which gives it 90.2 overall. And we can so with that, we can say bye-bye, John, for now. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks. So, next then, Paul, on to our last two. Mm-hmm. We have Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth, George Harrison.
Give me love. Give me peace on earth, Paul. Gary, I wish I could. Oh, how I wish I could give you peace give on earth. Give me love, Paul. Give me peace on earth. Get it from Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, George Harrison's Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. It's funny that this has come out at the end. It's another one of George's grand statements on his um, religious beliefs and his his feelings about life in general. It's funny how these things crop up and come out randomly, sort of summing up songs almost, really, I think. Yeah, it is kind of, yeah. 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 So this comes out on the 25th of May, 1973. We have already dealt with the B-side, which is the rather more throwaway Miss Odell. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It uh, gets to number eight in the UK. It yeah, it does, in... so it does really well, doesn't it, this one? Yeah, it's all right. It's ten weeks in the charts. Yeah. Um, it gets to number one in America. And mm. do you know what it knocks off the number one spot in America? Um, no. Well, can you guess? What, what, so- what year was it again, sorry? Well, I'm not saying you necessarily know the song. You might have got the concept. He knocks... Paul's My Love off oh, the top spot. Oh, I see. Oh, does he? Oh, naughty yeah. George. And it's the first and only time, I believe, that two solo Beatles occupied the top two spots in the chart, in any chart at any time. Mm. So, yeah, a George Paul one-two punch there. It comes from his Living in the Material World album, and it's very much about trying to escape the material world. Uh, recorded probably autumn 1972 at either fp shot or apple with overdubs in january or february 1973 i couldn't mm-hmm. find a definitive date for it um george on vocals guitar slide guitar uh, nicky hopkins on piano gary wright on organ klaus vorman on bass jim keltner on drums uh, written by george obviously produced by george as well and mm-hmm. like I say, yeah, it's another summing up yourself song. And this is, unlike My Sweet Lord, it's a slightly different take on George's approach to spirituality. Um, I like it very much. Yeah, I, it was a um, completely new one on me, which is quite interesting given that it was a, you know, we've just been talking about watching the wheels that got to number 30, like we said, a bit mad. And this was the one that got to number eight and hung around for quite a while. And I've not come across it and I, I, I you know I don't think so anyway it, um, and it's our last Georgie song for now yeah. um, and did well so that's good and you know as we said it's a bit of a summing up song and I think again as with all the George songs um, I've never heard before that we've done in this series they're always perhaps at a bit of a disadvantage because I haven't formed a relationship with them the same as I have with something like Watching the Wheels or or, or, or live and let die, and, and because of G- George's insistence, as we've spoken about many times, on defying musical conventions, means you have to almost retrain your ears to accept some of the choices he makes. But once you do that, they start to live with you a bit, don't they? But I, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's hard because I'm often hearing these and talking about them after only a couple of listenings, um, and even from the first to the second listen, it jumped up in my estimation very quickly. Um, that's I don't good. know if it's it applies to everyone or if it's just perhaps I'm I'm I I'm susceptible to this because as a as a musician and a songwriter that like I hear where I would go and then I, he goes nope no I'm going to go over there and you think mm-hmm. oh, oh how do you sing along to that and not have to not without having to tell your brain to sing a note that you wouldn't expect it to do and I know we've covered this ground over and over but there's just places that chords go to the ear and um, 
and I understand completely the instinct to avoid them so as not to sound derivative or repetitive or uninspired. But I could never do it as much as George did, which I think makes him the clever one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just Because this does start to work after you've listened to it a couple of times. Um, I, just Some of it's really straightforward, but there's a great example in this song where there's a pretty strange sounding... After a pretty strange sounding verse, it settles into a descending chord pattern, which resolves as you would expect it to on the second repetition. The first mm. time it doesn't. So if, if you're struggling with the concept of what I've been banging on about in this series, although Paul, you have illustrated this quite a lot with the guitar, listen, listen to the bit where it starts going, give me love, give me dear, dear, dear. No, that's the verse. Um, it starts to like the piano starts to do a little descending broken chord pattern. And the first time it resolves, it goes off left somewhere you wouldn't expect. And the second time it goes exactly where you'd expect it to settle into. Um but it's growing on me um, in just a couple of listens, a few listens, you know. Um, it still is growing. There's sometimes bits where I think, well, that's a bit a bit unorthodox, maybe for the sake of it. But when you put in George's guitar playing over the top of it, it and the mel- melody that weaves around that, it's kind of worth it. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear his um, comment on it in I, Me, Mine? Yeah, go on, George. He says, give me love. Sometimes you open your mouth and you don't know what you're going to say, and whatever comes out is the starting point. If that happens and you are lucky, it can usually be turned into a song. This song is a prayer and personal statement between me, the Lord, and whoever likes it. Oh, well, I like it, George. Um, It's qu- it's really quite a catchy one when you click into it. Yeah, and I, like I think s- it's not the most challenging of his no, sort it's, of it's chordal not. things, but it's... Uh, it's got I some think- of that in there, yeah. I think it's it's probably one of his most, I, for me, probably his best spiritual thing in this sort of pop style, um, as what? opposed to something like Be Here Now or something like that. Um, it's got such an extraordinary sort of longing in his voice that that goes with along with the lyrics. So, yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I, I think it's a really good vocal. I think and, there's, a, there's a difference, the snappy melody coupled with the verse lyrics. There's kind of an offbeat syncopation he does. Oh, in some of this there's there's a very yeah the emphasis is on the kind of offbeat isn't it and yeah. um that's really different for george and i think that that's also a nearly nice little trick in this i like it enough to have given it 80 for music cool production then it's nicely produced too i think george's voice is mixed well um it actually has a similar vibe to watching the wheels in that there's a constant synth or something creating a texture behind the piano Something It'll be like an organ. That. It'll be the, the organ, organ from, yeah. from Gary Wright. And the acoustics are adding to that as well. Really nice. nice it's as... very interesting. If you listen to the first verse, you have a, or the, the start of it, you have a very tight mix. It's almost mono. Everything's right in the middle. Yeah. And there's a point where the pianos come in and they're spread across the stereo mix. Mm. Um, if anyone could see me, I'm now, I was I was demonstrating my hands up tight in the middle. This, and then you, I'm spreading my hands out this, for that Were bit. you spreading the stereo mix? I was, yeah. Um, in the, in the like I was in, like, I don't know, Minority Report moving yeah. screens around or something. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a nice thing because it sounds really, really tight and mono to start with. And and I, th- I thought, I don't remember it sounding like this. And then as soon as the pianos come in, it sort of, it's it's like it sort of relaxes across the stereo, yeah. which is a nice production idea. Yeah, it is. And also, isn't it funny how we still use Minority Report to mean... Snazzy screens, and that film's now probably getting on for twenty years old. And I've never even seen it. <laughs> yeah, okay. No. Um, yeah, the drums are punctuating it all nicely. The bass is 
rounded and marking it out. It's not quite as clean as watching the wheels altogether, which is um, just because I was thinking it's got a similar-ish kind of uh, feel in some places, like sound-wise, also uh, frequency-wise. But it's good. I've given it 83 for production. Um, apparently, according to something on Wikipedia, and I couldn't sort of trace it back to the source, uh, when it came out in America, certainly, and I don't think this applies to the UK release necessarily, I'm not sure, Capital mastered the singles to run a bit faster than the album version okay. because that brightens the sound up a bit, which makes it better suited to radio play. Oh, okay. But I was trying to find, very often people on YouTube will put, like, here's the single version, you'll see them play the 45 yeah. RPM record, and you can compare it, but I couldn't find anything to to prove that, but it might well be the case. So, yeah. oh, well, there yeah. you go. It does have a bright feel to it. So, on to lyrics then. Um, I mean, it's another George God song, as you said, um, and um, I especially like, as I've mentioned, the rhythm of this. Especially the the give 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 me hope help me cope with this heavy load, you know that's all. He gets into a nice um, a nice pattern with that. Um, trying to touch and reach you with heart and soul. It's very snappy. The give me prefix enables him to chain kind of other thematic ideas. You've got give me life, light, love, peace on earth. Um, there's a lot of repetition, so yeah. that's that is a lot of the song. Is well, rep- repetition is ironically what he's trying to avoid. You've got the line keep me free from birth. So this is about karma and it's about the idea that unless you can sort of rid, rid yourself of oh, I see. The, the earthly things you'll keep being reincarnated oh i see and your okay, idea yeah. is to re- achieve a point where it's you aren't going to be reincarnated you can be released yeah that's the yeah karma uh, uh, nirvana even sorry nirvana nirvana not karma isn't nirvana breaking the cycle yeah i think of karma i think it's the karma is the thing that holds you back i don't know i am far from an expert on we this. are not but yeah, yeah. We are showing ourselves up. Um, but yeah, the line, keep me free from birth, could be seen to be quite an odd line. Yeah. But that's because it is to do Rebirth. with the, yeah. you don't, you you know, the, the yeah. spiritual path and the journey and the idea that you want to stop the repetition of, of reincarnation and move on and be part of the universe. It is interesting, because if I was to ascribe to anything, reincarnation is the one I fancy the most because of coming back again. <laughs> Rather than rather than not, but you know, but I guess yes. Once you've realised that it's all, this is all an illusion and we're all part of just the same kind of a space whale's dream, then everything's fine, isn't it? Oh, um, it's a big so, tree. It's a big tree's dream. Big tree. That's fine by me as well. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I like it. It's it features uh, the word om. Om, om. Where does it say om? Oh, oh om, my lord. Om, yeah. my lord. Because it sounds a bit Which like he's just going, oh, my Lord. But it's, yeah, um, Om's in there. Yeah. The cosmic syllable. Yeah. Um, I like it. It's a quite a very different meter tip for thing. I'd like nice, nice if George had done a bit more in these kind of... I don't think he makes this kind of lyrical choices often, that often. That, and I, I like how it works to the point where I've given it 80 for lyrics. Mm-hmm. Which gives it 81 overall. And that's goodbye to George. Goodbye, George. Thanks. And goodbye to particularly, I mean, quite a few people there, but especially Klaus, who has been yeah. a very important part of They've the journey for us. Hanging around for the whole series, those people, haven't they? They, they, yeah. they basically were the Beatles solo band and moved around between them all. So, finally then, Paul, finally. 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 Maybe I'm amazed. Live. Wings. Wings. 
I'm amazed, Paul. Well, maybe I too am amazed that we've reached the point of the last song in this series. I know. Wow. What a, and it's, what a marathon. It's yeah. Been. And we have reached this rather baffling point of a song that's very well known as a McCartney song. Indeed. But in a live version. Mm. In fact, this is the A-side to Soily. Yes. Um, two more different songs you sort of can't imagine yes. from the same pen but yeah it comes out 4th of february 1977 as we said got to number 28 in the uk um wings over america this recording is from the 29th of may 1976 at kansas city i've yeah. already been through the lineup of who played on the on the Sorry, live then. live tours but obviously on this one paul's on piano yeah putting putting denny on on bass okay and if anyone listened to the special we did with Cass Sunstein, this mm-hmm. was one of his picks. Yes. For a, for a McCartney song. So I have already talked a little bit about this in a different context. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff I might say might be the same. Uh, I love the song Maybe I'm Amazed a great deal, uh, which makes talking about it in the context of the live recording a bit weird because it's a bit like I, I listen to this and I feel a bit like I've been drugged. Because it right. runs, it's so slow compared yeah. to the recorded version, and it yeah. runs really long. Um, yes, uh, that feels a bit weird to me. But some people know this as their main version of it. So, so, so that so they're probably hearing the this the stripped down studio fast version must be like yeah, it probably sounds like listening to you're all on uppers. Yeah, it sounds like listening to George Formby playing it or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and yeah, I know. Obviously, I, I don't know how many. Obviously, people have listened hopefully to that bonus episode. But yes, we covered the fact that this. You talked about this with Cass and Steen, and it is slow. So, I mean, oh, for very speed, wouldn't you just love to be able to kind of put this whole thing through very speed, keep tempo, keep pitch the same setting, and just budget up three to five percent. Just that's all it needs, isn't it? It's just yeah. a bit off. I mean, it's not like he's necessarily spreading the material thin because what he does is he introduces a new tag ending to the song that yeah. isn't there on the album version. So the album version runs three minutes and 49 seconds. Yeah. Um, and this live version is over five minutes long again. Yeah. Um, he, he does a fake ending. Yeah. So he adds that extra stuff on yeah. the end. Uh, but it's so, I mean, so it is... About 67 beats per minute this runs, he plays it at, Ooh, which is, is really, really slow, yeah. slow. In fact, do you know what? Right, this is the, this is the tempo of... Not, not that noise. This is the tempo of the original. Maybe I'm a man, maybe I'm a lonely man who's in the middle of... Some... Got that? Okay. Yeah. Got that? Okay, yeah. and then the recording live is at this tempo. Maybe a man, maybe I'm a lonely man in the middle daisy, daisy. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it is much slower, and I don't think I don't think necessarily better for it. But we haven't talked about the song 
separately to this. So we have we have a bit of a strange one to end on here. Yeah. So let's right. So let's let's cut through the slow fast thing. Is in it presumes the slowness thing. It's slow because you've heard faster versions. Although as you've just demonstrated, it is just actually slow as well compared to other music. Um, but without the knowledge of that, would you care? It's still very big and bombastic and very very good performance. Oh yeah, you know, I think it is as a, a good live bit of music. It's just slow. It walks the line of plodding, but it's pulled back. It's pulled back a lot by the sheer size of the sound that you don't get on the studio version. And we know a lot. I know the song a lot more from seeing it live, in live televisation. 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 Now in stereo. The televisation <laughs> of maybe I'm amazed by James Paul McCartney. It's um, um, yeah, the televised play, well, versions and, and yeah, it's because he's played it live in almost every concert he's done. You know, yeah. like at least five hundred and fifty concerts so, in his career. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, so when you go and listen to the album version, which are thankfully faster, a bit like Live and Let Die or Band on the Run, they don't quite capture the refinement and energy of the live versions he went on to to do with those things. So you listen to them and go, ah, oh, but I really want that oomph of the blooming bit where this happens and that happens and this has that like i can understand him going you know this although it's, it's a shame he had to pick such a slow one but the actual the the new ending that's on there and the the the, the size of it the, the feel to it i think is really good mm. uh, so if you take away the speed and stuff you're left with the music which for me is up there with something as one of the best love songs ever written and when i say something i mean something the song something not yes. just being vague um, it delivers a huge heartfelt hit of emotion in a pleasing cadence that just sounds like the beauty and anguish of love pouring out of him and into our ears. His vocal performance on this is extraordinary in this particular recording as well, as is the whole band's kind of um, playing, especially the guitars. But that's because it's such a... It captures a... I think a... It captures that that size of, 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 of a love song that... Um, I always associate with more, which is the kind of the slightly more romantic, tragic side of it. You know, it's just so astounding. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's almost, yeah, it's, well, we'll get into it with lyrics, I think. But um, you, yeah, I like the extended version with the fake ending, a, a, a reprise and an, alt, you know, that alternative, um, maybe I'm amazed, but at the end works great for me. It feels like this, it's not so much that this is the definitive one, but because it's closer to the ones I'm more used to hearing, which is, when he plays it, you know, in his shows, this feels closer to my definitive version, which is probably from something like the DVD I have of him playing at Red Square, Moscow kind of thing, you know. So, um, it's a great song. I'm giving it 95 for music. Well, fair enough. Even though, clearly at one point, Denny Lane fumbles his bass part. Oh, well, I'll let him off. Denny. Denny, Denny, Denny. Production. Oi, oi, oi. Production then. I suppose you can argue that the decision to put out this version at this tempo is a production one, but it is such a good performance otherwise. I can see why they decided to do it, presuming that they were listening to a few versions and they never quite had one that... I do think that, you know, as live recordings go, and I'll say it again, having listened to Free's live album of All Right Now, where a wire breaks halfway through the song and is just like making a horrible clicking sound for most of the song, and they still thought that's the album to put out. <laughs> this is the one to do. You think, for a live recording, it's really good. Um, and the addition of the crowd, obviously, on either side of the song, 
adds all that energy. And in the fake, you sort of hear it yeah. in the fake ending. And then coming, coming up thinking it's ended and then getting it coming back again. It just adds to that, that. So just as much as it was a decision to use this take, that's the slow take, the decision to use any take and put out a live one must be commended. It's obvious the song's evolved since the studio version or at least the live version has different facets to it that were worth hearing and reproducing. And this was a great way to freeze a version of that somewhat and get it out there. And where, where did it land in America? Did you say this got to number one? Or? Uh, no, I haven't got, sorry, I haven't got the uh, American Where did it get thing. to? In, did it come out in the UK as a line? It did, yeah, 28. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't come out in the UK. You it, know we're course, very parochial. <laughs> so I, I love how it's evolved, like so much of his live set. I'm going to give it 84 for production. And what we've you've already mentioned with Soily was some great... Like, you know, they went to the effort of bringing a 24-track recorder to, to, yeah. to be able Yeah, although to I will thing. say, as with many, many, many live albums, yeah, there is some studio sweetening afterwards. Yeah, that's fine. And clearly they've replaced the backing vocals on this one, I think. Okay. So I think they basically went back in after all, you know, after the final tracks were selected for Wings Over America, they did what many, many people do on live albums, or certainly used to do, which is go back in and add, you know, correct bits, add, you know, add, yeah, redo things, which is why a 24-track recording is really important, because it means you can close mic everything so that you don't have leakage across. So you can pick some, you can pull something out. You don't want live leakage. No, you do not want live leakage, not in, in front, front of a crowd of 30,000 people. <laughs> no. Okay, so let's go on to lyrics then and we have um you know he knows how to pull a heartstring or two does does our paul imagine being linda mccartney and having the songs written about you that she had yeah exactly yeah. and 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 this is and, as and the again sort of... we're back to tragedy as well aren't we because he still didn't he play this at glastonbury and wasn't doesn't he still basically have pictures of him and linda come up when this yeah. comes up and I was looking at the lyrics book as well just then while you were talking, and of course, you know, he talks about this, but it's then illustrated by several pages of pictures of Linda, who just looks just a stunning person. Yeah. And you could tell that they they were. Madly. I don't mean look. I don't mean looks. I mean just yeah, seems to be yeah. such a, a sort of an amazing person, the right person for him at the right time, and yeah, such a just the the bits yeah. of her we got to see and get back, kind yeah. of fleshed her out as a character more for me because I didn't know really much about her beyond the name Linda McCartney, you know. But Yeah, that, I know. And we're also, of, yeah. we're also of the generation where she, the, the Mickey was taken out of her so yeah. much. Yeah. You know, the, the, very often your first exposure to Linda McCartney was people taking the Mickey out of vegetarianism. Yeah, and, yeah. I don't know, say, Phil Cool or Spitting Image or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Easy targets, wasn't it? You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, she seemed great and... Uh, she seemed like um, I think you know you'd like to think you'd really like to if you'd been lucky enough to meet her and um, anyway yeah I mean this song um, this questioning song takes an interesting angle on love which is the, like I said it's maybe I'm afraid of how I love you I yeah. mean I love that scariness that, of, I'm a, of yeah, the and overwhelmingness I'm at, of it all yeah and I'm amazed at how you love me it actually hints at a deep insecurity and vulnerability that is hidden, I think, almost, amongst the energy of this song. You know, love is a scary thing. It's a naked thing that opens you up and exposes deep facets of your life to another person. And any self-doubt or worries about, you know, codependence or whatever, it's all in there. 
and all part of the crazy soup that's love, but it's also wonderful and amazing. And that's all in just those lines. Maybe I'm amazed. Maybe, maybe that question. Maybe I'm amazed. Like, maybe I'm afraid of, of that, you know. Maybe I'm a lonely person who's just been lucky to not to have someone who, you know, it's it's bringing them in from the cold. It's, yeah. And, and actually for Paul McCartney, he doesn't write as personal as John. No, we've, we've talked and this about this probably, before. This yeah. is really highly personal. I Very think. much so. Yeah. Um, and what we're talking about here, though, is where it comes out in... 1977 but obviously it's written at the time of the Beatles breakup and the mm. you know the the solidifying of his family in his in his heart he's living on a farm beep beep and <laughs> and uh, and so yeah there's that to bear in mind as well yeah um and it's heartbreaking given you know what happened to Linda in the end and also anyone who has loved can step into this song and anyone who hasn't yet can borrow and imagine from it hopefully you know it's you know rub shoulders with it it's it's great i've given it 88 for lyrics um which is 89 overall right okay anything else to say about that paul speak now or forever hold your peace i will forever hold my peace shush okay well that's it (sighs) wowzers wow long 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 time but we got there so let's look at the non-places. These didn't any rank in the top twenty, and they These didn't are... any rank in the top twenty. Is that what I said? Yeah, it's what you said. <laughs> Been a long episode. I think I think we've we've basically reached like the bottom of our personal petrol tanks here. It's, yeah. uh, our brains are gone. So, at number eighty-eight, we have Soily, Paul McCartney and Wings. At number seventy, we have early nineteen seventy. Ringo Starr. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? That's appropriate. Yeah. At number 64, we have Country Dreamer, Paul McCartney. And at number 31, we have George Harrison with Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. So, Paul, let's look at the top 21. The top 21? The top 21, and you'll see why. Oh, I know why you've done this. Because I want all the Out of how many songs, Gary? How many did we do in the end? Gosh, now you're asking. Uh, Bear me with... Just... just, um, just do do something for the people at home, Paul. I've got nothing to say now. I'm now we're done. I'm not going to talk. I need okay. money first. Uh, we this is out of. Oh yeah, it wasn't as many as the first series. I'm talking rubbish. It's half as many almost. A hundred and twenty-one songs, Paul. A hundred and twenty-one okay. songs. I so we so you're going to do the top twenty-one now, which means we can dismiss the other hundred as just tripe. Yeah, everything else ignored. Rubbish. Everything It'll all rubbish, be deleted. But... No, yes, I'm doing the top twenty-one because I want all the lads in there, and in order to do that, I think the other week was it last week or the week before? Last week it was. Last week, Ringo just snuck in, and, and you booted him out snuck, again, and he went straight back out again, but only by one place. So here we go. At number twenty-one, it don't come easy, Ringo Starr. Yay! At number twenty, Heart of the Country, Paul McCartney. At number 19, Soft-Hearted Hannah, George Harrison. At number 18, Instant Karma, John Lennon. At number 17, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, John Lennon. At number 16, Cold Turkey, John Lennon. At number 15, Yoko Ono, Kiss, Kiss, Kiss. At number 14, Give Peace a Chance, John Lennon. At number 13, Stand By Me, John Lennon. At number 12, Love in Song, Paul McCartney. 
At number 11, Band on the Run, Paul McCartney. At number 10, Yoko Ono, Beautiful Boys. At number 9, Just Like Starting Over, John Lennon. At number 8, John Lennon, Mind Games. At number 7, Mull of Kintyre, Paul McCartney. At number 6, My Sweet Lord, George Harrison. At number 5, Another Day, Paul McCartney. At number 4, Maybe I'm Amazed Live, Paul McCartney. At number 3, John Lennon, Watching the Wheels. At number 2, Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney. And at number 1, John Lennon, Imagine. There All we go. this to find out that Imagine's <laughs> the number one. You could have just gone on an enemy poll or something from or something from lots of places could have yeah. Well, when we come back for a, a, a post match analysis episode we can discuss We'll pick this apart a little bit yeah, then, won't we? And, the, and reveal that as always, Gary, your system is stupid. And an entirely worthless waste of everybody's time. Well, I hope they've enjoyed all that time wasted. Because what is life if not time wasted well? I like that. Oh, that's quite good. <laughs> so Suddenly gonna, turned into Noel Coward or something. I'm not going to say anything else other than bye-bye in case I ruin it. <laughs> bye. Thank you, everybody. We love you, Beatles. See you in a bit. <laughs>